Sports Pen back with you Thursday afternoon. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along once again. Coming at you from my apartment complex on the lakeshore in downtown Marquette as we continue to battle this COVID-19 outbreak. We are thankful to be joined on our makeshift phone line by Jake Durant, the sports guy over at Local 3. Man, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being on. Man, thanks for having me. It feels great to be back. Uh, I definitely missed it as, you know, while we were going through that short hiatus. But I'm, I'm ready uh, to be back, and I'm ready for sports to kind of get back into the swing of things, hopefully sooner than later. Absolutely. We all are. And I tell you what, before we get into what we have on the docket for today, how have you been surviving this outbreak? I mean, you've had stuff to do over at Local 3, but what does that mm -hmm. entail without sports? Yeah, I'm lucky enough to be one of the, um, you know, people to keep their their job i know there's you know dozens of americans right now who are jobless you know unemployed um but yeah i've been able to you know kind of keep my job and and you know things have changed definitely a little bit um we definitely do follow the social distancing guidelines at local three when i go to work um you know we're staying six feet apart all of our interviews and things like that are done over video calls and over the phone um, so I'm, you know, traveling there Monday through Friday still, and then I'm back at my apartment, um, you know, and, and right now it's, it's more just trying to pick and choose, trying to find sports stories to air. Um, some days are better than others. We're definitely focused more on, on national stories, obviously with, with all the local sports, uh, being canceled and things like that for the rest of the year. So, um, just trying to, um, find, you know, the most interesting sports stories, um, uh, you know, obviously the NFL draft coming up is going to be a big thing um, and just kind of, you know, work, work with that. And then obviously I am helping with uh, the news department as well. So I've been doing um, some stuff with the news department. I've even been working behind the camera with some technical stuff. So I'm keeping busy, I'm just trying to make myself uh, an asset you know, make myself a little bit more valuable. I can do a lot of things. So I'm doing that. And then, you know, hanging out at, at my apartment, uh, you know, just trying to pass the time. I've been doing a lot of, I've completed a lot of puzzles. I've, I've read a few, a few books and things. I play a lot of NBA 2K, a lot of uh, Madden. So I'm definitely hopping on my PS4 and playing video games a lot and just trying to pass the time. And obviously with me, working out was a big thing. Going to the gym every day was a big thing for me. So at home workouts have been kind of something I've been really focused on and it's not as good as being at the gym but I actually just got done working out here at my apartment but I'm just trying to do my best to not to lose the gains and uh, be in as best shape as I can for when the gyms actually do open up so I'm just you know like anybody else just trying to pass the time trying to keep a positive mindset and um, trying to get through this and stay healthy yeah I want to go back to something that you said a little bit ago Jake are you a puzzle guy did you say you've been putting some puzzles together yeah so me and my girlfriend um, actually uh, we do puzzle a lot, and, and uh, we have completed a few puzzles. Actually, when we first started um, hanging out and dating, uh, puzzling was a huge thing that we did. Is that right? And, uh, yeah, yeah, man. We did, uh, we did like a 2,000-piece Las Vegas scene. That was our first puzzle we did, and, and it, it takes time. Um, you know, we will just work on it here and there, but it's, it's a, it, it feels great when you actually do finish a puzzle. You know, you get that, satisfac that satisfaction of accomplishment that you kind of – you kind of, you know, stuck with it and, and got it done. And, um, you know, we're both kind of big and that's kind of just a hobby that we share. So, um, right now we're working on some, this like camping scene. I think it's a 1500 piece. Um, it's like a camping scene, very colorful. It's like an art piece, maybe like a painting. Um, and I think it's like 1500. Uh, so it's not too crazy, but, um, it's definitely laid across our counter space. Most of our counter space is, uh, 
in the kitchen is is taken up by it so we're doing our best to get it done i'm actually one of the people i buy puzzle glue so when we finish it mm. i layer a piece of puzzle glue over it so it actually stays put and then you either if, you know if you want to frame it and things like that you can do that so yeah puzzling is a big thing man it's a big thing that we do it's a good hobby man you can throw on music and just you know, do your thing, and, and yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I find it entertaining, I find it entertaining. Jake, I know that my family is loving hearing this right now, because during our hiatus, I was able to go back to Iowa for about a week, spend some time with my family there, and right now, my family is on a huge puzzle kick, like, you go to any table, it's hard to find a place to sit down and eat a meal as a family, because there are puzzles at about every table, and they are on a puzzle kick right now, so I know that they're happy to hear you say that, Uh, I know Legos are big with them right now, do you, Lauren? Or do Legos? Um, no, I don't. I do not own any Legos. As a kid, I was really big into Legos. Um, obviously, trying to you know buy the biggest and most expensive Lego sets and put them together. But no, definitely not uh, into Legos anymore. I actually got rid of all my Legos. I'm kind of sad about that. I probably should have kept them. But um, <laughs> Legos, that not not something that that we do. I don't think we can really uh, you know afford to have any more just small pieces of things laying around I, I live in a relatively small apartment it's a two-bedroom but um it's it's relatively small so um i definitely think in this time of self-isolation it's good to kind of keep keep the space open and not try to get too cluttered with it well hey, you're doing your thing you're staying safe and you're staying entertained what have you we're glad to hear it and glad to have you here at espn up here's what we have on the docket coming up for today we are one week away from the nfl draft it's going to be virtual it's going to be different jake i know you're a a self-described football junkie and correct me if i'm wrong but is the draft your favorite event of the nfl offseason yes I, so i'm a huge draft guy i mean i start following um you know basically when the draft wraps up i'm already looking ahead to next year's class and things like that that's how like you know um, dedicated i am to it so i'm i'm definitely one of those guys that you know i'm i'm digging in deep the prospects um looking for strengths it's definitely looking for best fits not just for the green bay packers who i'm a fan of but for every team you know i i want to you know try to figure out teams draft strategies and then things like that try to predict predict where things going our players are going to go and, I, and i'm a guy who's on online doing my own mock drafts and trying to you know figure out the best fits and things like that so th- this is definitely probably my favorite time of the year i'm really glad that the nfl is going going with it and, and continue and, and is actually going to put it on obviously like you said it's going to be done virtually online i hope everything goes smoothly um but yeah i definitely get excited for this um you know i just like it's, it's like christmas to me i like i like when um my team gets gets players and i like to look ahead and and um you know i like to try to predict and when i do predict right it it, it feels good so definitely um i'm looking forward to it i'm very excited and and it's something to talk about man um, you know, you can you could go through every single scenario that your team's going to do, and and um, and I do that with Green Bay. I have maybe 20 different scenarios which Green Bay, which I feel Green Bay should do, and then they'll go off and do something completely different, something completely random. Saw it last year choosing Darnell Savage in that that later round uh, first round pick. I had no idea that Green Bay was going to going to grab him. He wasn't even on on the radar. So it's it's just exciting, and and obviously you know people try to predict things, and it usually never goes that way. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely an uh, entertaining time, and I definitely find that I get a lot of joy out of it. 
Well, we've got some Packer talk and what they might do with their number one overall pick, and they pick at number 30 this year. Jake, I know for a long time you were high on Jake Fromm, the quarterback out of Georgia, and lately maybe you've started finding somebody else that you would like to see the Packers take late in the first round. We're going to tell you who that is a little bit later on during the show. I've got a certain NFC team. I've been crunching my numbers, doing my own little mock study here. I think there's one NFC team that's poised to have a big night a week from tonight on draft night. I, I don't know if it'll be a good night, but I think they're going to be the biggest movers and shakers. I think they've got a plan in place, and by all logic, it sounds like a good one. I'll tell you who that team is coming up a little bit later on in the show. Of course, you know, the Michael Jordan documentary is coming out here, and we'll look inside the Hannah content. All that and more coming up over the course of the next hour here in ESPN-UP. I do want to plug this, though, because we talk about the Packers. We'll break down what the Packers could be looking at coming up for the draft. Uh, but next week, we will have Rob Domovsky, the Packers beat writer for ESPN.com on the show. He'll be here to talk about what he knows about what the Packers could be doing or where the needs are, what his inside information entails. That uh, interview will either be Monday or Tuesday here in ESPN UP. We're still nailing that down. But I talked to Rob last night. He did agree to come on the show. So we're looking forward to that. Rob Domovsky, Packer beat writer, will join the show early next week. And hopefully we can get Dave Burkett from the Lions as well and get everybody's perspective on it. First and foremost, though, Jake here, let's talk about the presumptive number one overall pick with Joe Burrow. And this is a discussion that I don't know is being had nearly enough because we all presume he's going to be the top overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, but is he going to like playing for the Bengals? Will he fit in well with them? Because, man, the guy's a competitor. He's a winner. I heard a stat last night on ESPN Radio, Spain and Fitz. He hasn't been a part of a losing season as a football player since he was in fifth grade, and he's going to go to a team very likely that has been voted the worst-run organization in all of sports twice in the last 15 years. In 2009 and 2015, the Bengals were named the worst-run organization in sports, and they've certainly shown they're not a franchise that prioritizes winning. I know this is going to be talked about a lot here in the coming days, but, man, what are the odds? Do you get that feeling that Joe Burrow could end up saying I'm not going to play for you if you pick me at number one overall. Yeah, I mean, I and I and I don't want to break it to Joe, but uh, I don't know if that streak will continue if he does get drafted by the Bengals it this won't. season, be, because, like you said, yes, unless he comes in and and is somehow able to recreate that magic that he had at LSU and and really lift that team up. That team has a lot of holes, and, and definitely there's there's a lot of missing pieces and a, a talent gap there in Cincinnati, but. Um, do I think Joe Burrow will pull pull an Eli Manning, you know, obviously with Eli and Phillip Rivers that one year, but um, do I see it happening? I don't know. Like you said, he's very competitive, and I'd like to think that he thinks in his head that no matter where he goes, he's going to be able to, to go there and, and turn things around. I like the fit there with Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati. Obviously, he's an Ohio native. He spent time at Ohio State. Um <laughs> It's just so funny because it, it, it works out so perfectly. He'll, he'll have the nickname Joe Exotic. If anyone has seen Tiger King on Netflix, it's a huge thing. Joe Burrow going to the Bengals, the, obviously the Tiger thing there. Um, and and it just, it, for me, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the right fit. Um, obviously, would he want to go somewhere else into a better situation, maybe where, where a team's a little bit more, you know, progress down the road to winning potentially, but um, – for me, it's been set in stone that he's going to get drafted number one. I think, like you said, his competitive nature will take over. Um, he'll go back to his home state. 
and he'll want to prove that he can he can go where he wherever and and be a productive player and, and help help the team turn things around um, no matter where he goes he's going to go in the top five he's going to go to a team that's rebuilding that's just the nature of how things work in the NFL um, the best players go to the worst teams and that's why you know it's 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 very you know you see uh, situations where where quarterbacks will get drafted in in the later rounds and go to a to a, a team who's who's a little bit more better off and a little bit more um, closer to to winning, and they they tend to have success uh, more early or earlier, I guess I should say. Um, but I do think Joe Joe Burrow is a lock to get picked by the Cincinnati Bengals at number one. Um, I think that's set in stone. And for me, if I saw him kind of try to pull that card to where he doesn't want to go there and he doesn't want to be drafted, um, I think that would be a, a shock to me. It would definitely start things off. Um, you know, with a bang, if you know, with the draft, if that was was to happen, and and Joe kind of said, you know, what, I'm not going to do this. I want to get traded. Um, but right now, I think he's the best prospect. He's shown he can stay healthy. I know he's only had one really solid year, but I mean, he has all the X factors. He has that swagger that I look for in in players, and um, he has that confidence. Um, I know they need to definitely get him some protection and things like that. Um, definitely the the rest of the draft will be a big uh a big thing for the Bengals. so um it's not just the J joe burrow pick it's going to be what are the Bengals going to do um after that pick that's going to really definitely set the tone for their season um they got a new head coach zach taylor a young mind um, who's still trying to turn things around it's not going to happen overnight so i think with with the joe burrow selection it's definitely um going to get things set in the right direction and i think it's it's a good fit in my eyes it's a good fit for joe burrow and um for him to think that he's going to find a better a better team maybe the chargers are a team that he would like to go to obviously they're in la teams have better past, but i think right now it's set in stone i think he'd want to go back to ohio and and try to turn that thing around there in cincinnati which is obviously going to be a hard thing to do but uh at some point you you gotta think that it would happen Jake, I tell you what, I'm glad that you made the Joe Exotic Tiger King reference because, like you said, same name as the Tiger King from the Netflix series. He's probably going to play for the Bengals, and he was just playing for the LSU Tigers, so it all kind of worked out. Before we go to break, did you like Tiger King? Did you watch it? I did. I was actually uh, I was on the early wave of that before it actually became this big thing. Um, I think it was on Netflix. I was just randomly scrolling through, and I'm a big fan of 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 big cats it's something I, I like to watch you know growing up as a kid i would watch like the animal planet and discovery channel and and the the lions and things were definitely you know i'm a huge um big cat fan um so i was just like oh this must be a documentary about you know someone who owns a zoo and 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 you know is around big cats so i clicked on it without knowing anything about it, it, it mind you it's before the internet was talking about it and things like that and and me and my girlfriend laura were just sitting there watching it and i was just like in awe because Right away, you, you realize it's not really focused around big cats. It's a whole different crazy thing. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And as that, that documentary moved on, I almost I, it, it was kind of unbelievable with, with all the, the storylines and all the characters that are in it. It was just it was insane. And um, it was very just it, it was very polarizing. And obviously, 
Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, was definitely a character um, that you you think would be made up, and and it's just it was insane that he was he was actually there doing what he was you know running a zoo and things like that. I don't want to you know spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but people out there listening who who've seen it know it, it's just a crazy story, and and it's not just Joe Exotic, it's it's everyone else, the Carol Baskins and things like that. So, um, yeah, it was it was a it was a wild a wild ride. Jake Duran of Local 3, kind of to join us here at ESPN-UP. We'll take our first time out. We'll break down the draft from the Packer aspect next on ESPN-UP. First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm E.J. Kostriva, Regional President, and it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open, and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, Dave's Collision in Ishpeming specializes in scratch and dent repair as well as other major collision repairs, including metalwork, painting, and collision-related mechanical work. Dave's uses quality Exalta paint to ensure a clean, shiny, color match finish. With over 26 years of experience, Dave, with the help of his qualified staff, has the knowledge to restore your vehicle to pre-accident condition. Make the right decision. Choose Dave's Collision. Call 485-1211. That's 485-1211. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoot. We are one week away from the NFL draft, and we were talking about movies before the break, Jake. Tiger King, whatever. I guess that's more of a Netflix series, what have you. Uh, One of my favorite movies of all time is Draft Day, and whenever we get close to the actual NFL Draft Day, I feel the need to watch that movie. It's a great movie with Kevin Costner, Jennifer Gardner. I, there are a lot of people who don't seem to like that movie, darling. Have you seen it? You know what movie I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen it. Um, like, like I said, man, I'm a huge, a huge football fan, and I'm just as interested as um, with things off the field as on the field. It just, you know, as with the games. Um, I like to know, you know, I've always felt like I would love to be in a front office of an NFL team and just kind of be in those conversations and things like that. So that was definitely a movie that, you know, obviously it was, it was a movie. It wasn't re- real life, but it would definitely give you kind of an inside look and a vibe of just how much pressure these, these guys, these, these front, you know, uh, these executives and front offices, you know, all the pressure that they're on, it's, it's insane. You know, one pick could really make or break you. So definitely a movie that I enjoyed. I, I've watched it a couple times, actually. Well, Jake, let's talk about one of your favorite subjects, the Green Bay Packers, and what they could be looking at making uh, moves they could be making coming up on Thursday. First of all, let's talk about their offseason up to this point. They've gotten rid of some of their aging veterans this offseason, Brian Balaga, Jimmy Graham, Blake Martinez, Geronimo Allison, uh, Mercedes Lewis did resign with them. But then they go out and they add a few pieces like Christian Kirksey, Rick Wagner. Tell me about your thoughts on the Packer offseason up to this point. Are you happy with some of the moves they made, or where are you unsatisfied? You know, I'm kind of just – you know, meh about it. Obviously, last season, you know, Brian Gutekunst made a big splash with with a lot of big signings. Definitely revamped that defense. This year, it's the complete opposite. They obviously didn't have enough uh, as much money to spend, but I did like what they did, and and I definitely think they were bargain shopping. Um, you saw a lot of teams overpay um, players at the same positions the Packers signed, um, but the Packers were able to get uh, Wagner. 
and Kirksey with, you know, without spending too much money. And, and it's definitely at two positions that the Packers needed to, uh, you know, get, get better at. So Kirksey comes in, he's a veteran linebacker. The, you know, these guys are still in their twenties. They're not, it's not like they're, they're super old. Um, there's, you know, I think Kirksey's 27, 28. And if he's healthy, he's a really, really solid player and a very productive player, but that's a huge if. He hasn't really been able to stay healthy uh, these last several years uh, with, with Cleveland. So I do like the Kirksey pick as long as he's able to stay healthy. I think he obviously helps um, the, the Packers' defense. Linebacker is a huge position of need. I still think they need to address it in the draft. And offensive tackle, again, and another huge position of, of need. Um, another position where I think the Packers are going to, to uh, choose a guy in the draft at that tackle position. Um, but right now, you know, obviously wide receiver is a big issue, um, and and it wouldn't surprise me uh, defensive line, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if Green Bay drafts another cornerback or safety high in the draft. Um, you can never have an, enough skill positions outside, and and in a league that's really pass happy, you need to be you need to you know be proactive at getting guys in that can that can fill those positions. Kevin King. He did have a good season last year, but I don't know how long he'll be able to to stay healthy. He's another guy that's been dealing with issues. So I could definitely see Green Bay going out of left field and maybe getting getting a another corner or, or a safety that can really move around and things like that for Mike Patton. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So um, I do like what they've done so far. I think they've gotten a lot of value with how much money they spent. But I definitely think even with Wagner and Kirksey, they'll still address the tackle position and middle linebacker position in those early to mid rounds. Well, Jake, how about at the wide receiver position? Obviously, they need to upgrade there. They need to give Aaron some weapons as he gets into his late 30s. And this is one heck of a wide receiver draft. Tight end, I know, is an issue. Mercedes Lewis is back. What does he have left in the tank? And then Jay Sternberger, who looks like a young, exciting prospect, it just doesn't have the field reps right now. And I know that you're looking ahead to the future. You have been in some of your mock drafts. And I know that you've been thinking about who could be somebody who could replace Aaron. And for a long time, you thought that was Jake Fromm. And lately, you've started turning towards somebody else. Tell us about who that is, that who would you like to see the Packers potentially make a move and go grab to replace Aaron Rodgers and why? Um. You know, and this is this isn't just some random hot take of mine. This has been something that's been discussed um, with multiple experts and things. Um, but a lot of momentum's get, getting picked up about Jordan Love out of Utah State. Now, um, prior to this this to the draft, uh, not a lot of people talking about Jordan Love, and it seems like every year there's a quarterback that kind of you know people get behind and um, and things like that. Um, and, and, you know, momentum kind of brings them into the first round and, and, um, they'll normally you'll see a player get picked kind of who you, you haven't really heard of. And, and I think Jordan Love is definitely a guy that, that is going to get picked in the first round, um, out of Utah state, not a great 2019, but in 2018 had a very good, uh, good year. He's being compared to Pat Mahomes and, um, you know, a lot of Packer fans out there are probably wondering, you know, why would they do that? You know, it's just going to make Aaron mad. Um, they need to get players for win now mode and and things like that. And I do agree. And and I'm I'm looking at it from both sides. But if you have a chance to get a guy like a Jordan Love, he's not a polished prospect. Um, you know, I don't I don't think if he goes to a team where he has to play right now, um, I don't think he's going to be be successful. But for a team like Green Bay, where you can bring a guy like Jordan Love in, he has a lot of attributes like Pat Mahomes. 
times. He can, you know, he can scramble, you know, he can throw off one leg. Um, he can make those wow plays. He's a, he's a prototype. Um, I think he's like 6'3", 6'4", 220 pounds. Um, definitely some, you know, fits the physical um, template that you want out of a quarterback. So um, he's a guy, if he falls to you, if he's there in the mid-20s, maybe you move up and get him. Um, if he's there at 30, you saw the Packers, you know, Aaron Rodgers kind of fell into their lap. I don't see why not. Why not get a guy who can sit behind Aaron, um, learn for a few years, learn from an Aaron Rodgers who still has – you know, gas in the tank. You don't want to bring someone in where, where Aaron's on his final year or something like that, you know, just limping through. Get a, you know, get a guy in there that can sit learn from him. I'm, I'm still high on Chase. Big problem. Big problem. Big problem. Big problem. To sit behind Aaron, learn the tricks of the trade, learn what it takes to be successful. Um, the time you got to put in, in, in not only, you know, the, the weight room or in things like that, but in the film room and, and, um, you know, get a guy in there that can learn from, from one of the best to ever do it. If Jordan love is there, I see, I don't see why you would, you know, pass him up. If you're green Bay, Aaron obviously says saying he wants to play into his forties, but he's shown he's had injury issues. And for me, why not have a guy in there that if Aaron does go down, let's knock on wood there that you at least can be a little bit optimistic about. Maybe he can come in and be a guy that, that can really show something and be be the prospect that, that a lot of experts are saying could be very successful. So um, I think it, it, it would be it wouldn't be a, a crazy pick to see him go. Uh, but at the same time you do also want to get players that can help you win now and, and get Aaron some weapons and get some some players on that defense. So if Jordan Love was to go to Green Bay in the first round at the thirtieth pick I wouldn't be sad about that, but I do think he's going to go a little bit higher. I think Patriots might take a, take a flyer out on him. Um, the, you know, the Saints are kind of in the similar position as Green Bay with an aging quarterback. You know, maybe they want to. You know, Teddy Bridgewater's now in Carolina. Maybe they want to go get a guy. I know they got Taysom Hill there. So. Um, it's just kind of interesting to think about that scenario. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But if it did happen, I wouldn't be shocked. You've got a few other needs a Packers got to address on offense, including wide receiver and tight end. There's no one really at the tight end spot that you need to jump at in the first round, or at least to me, I don't see that. Uh, if the Packers could have won the Austin Hooper sweepstakes, obviously that would have uh, filled a huge need. But I tell you what, man, I know we disagree on this, but Notre Dame's got a couple of good tight ends that probably aren't going to go until the second day. And then you get a Claypool or a Komet on the second day of the draft. I mean, how will you feel about something like that? Uh, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too mad. I, I, you know, Chase Claypool, he's kind of, he's a big, you know, he can play receiver. Like you said, he can play tight end. I know they're kind of keeping him like either or, um, I think Claypool would be a, a good second-round pick. Um, Komet is definitely, you know, a, a big body. Shows he can really um, get down the field and be a pass catcher as well. So um, I don't think Green Bay is going to address the tight end position in the first few rounds. Obviously, with Claypool, you could get him and potentially play him at wide receiver. But I do think where Green Bay is picking, there's going to be better options. Um, you know, I would like to see Green Bay – um, draft a wide receiver early. I like Jalen Rager out of TCU. He's kind of that Tyreek Hill type of receiver, a smaller guy, but he has blazing speed. Green Bay has a lot of a bigger bodied receivers, physical receivers, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", guys. Um, I think with Matt LaFleur in that offense, they do need a guy that they can send on jet sweeps, you know, get out uh, wide receiver screens, get him in space. I think Jalen Rager 
fits that mold. I think he will be there at 30. Um, um, and, and potentially maybe you move up if, if a guy drops, you know, a CD lamb or a Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. So I think those guys are going to go top 15. I don't think those guys will be there, but I'm up, but this draft is foot filled, absolutely filled with wide receivers. I could see green Bay moving down from 30 going in, uh, you know, trading down into the early second round and picking up another pick, um, and still being able to get a guy that will help them, um, you know, early on in their career. So, um, Tight end position, that, I think that's a position that Green Bay addresses in the mid-rounds, maybe the fourth or fifth round. Right now, I think the defense needs a lot of help, and I think you need to get a guy um, on the outside for Aaron. Chase Claypool, like you said, he's a wide receiver tight end. Maybe maybe he's a guy you can look at, but I think there will be better options at that 30th pick and early in that second round. Jake, let me throw a few options here at you. It's kind of a two-part question. I got two guys that I think will still be there at number 32 of the top wide receivers in this draft, and you tell me, would you take them? And then I've got two guys that I don't know that will last till 30, but they could be there in the 20s. You tell me, if you're Brian Gutekunst, what you'd give up for those two. First of all, the two guys I do think are going to be there at number 30, Colorado's LaVishka Chenault Jr. and Baylor's Denzel Sims, who had an outstanding uh, combine before it was cut short. He had an outstanding uh, senior bowl. Tell me about those two guys, if you're comfortable with Green Bay making that move at number 30 for either of those two. Yeah, um, LaVisca Chenault, he's a guy early on, just like a month ago, he was being talked about as, as potentially the number one wide receiver prospect. He was getting a lot of first-round buzz, but as the whole process has gone on, um, you know, he, he's been injury-prone. Um, he's a physical guy. I do like what he brings to the table, but he has suffered a lot of injuries, and when you're an NFL team, Injury, red flags, you see it with Tua. Tua's not been able to stay healthy. Now, even today, just looking at things, there's being talk that Tua might fall out of the top 10. He might be you know, still there. Teams are kind of getting a little bit scared off just because of his injury history. And I think it's the same with LaVisca Chanel. He goes from potentially being a first projected wide receiver to now being picked in the middle to late second round. So um, LaVisca Chanel went healthy. I like what he brings to the table. He, you know, he gets a lot of yak yards, yards after the catch. He, you know, he's hard to bring down. It's very rare you see the first tackler bring him down, and he's a, he's a very physical receiver. So um, would I be happy with the Packers picking him at 30? I think that would be kind of a reach. I'm a little bit higher on Denzel Mims. Um, he's kind of gained momentum, and now it's looking like he might not even be there for Green Bay at 30. You would have to trade up and get him in the early 20s. And the, the more tape I watch on Denzel Mims, the more and more I fall in love with him as a player because obviously you've seen him at the NFL combine he has that that explosion that quick twitch I think he ran like a four three or something like that so very explosive he brings that speed but what I like is he's a very good route runner for how young of a receiver he is and he's really good with his hands and you see uh, Devonte Adams on Green Bay he's really good at you know not getting jammed up uh, at the line of scrimmage and using his hands and he's able to kind do kind of direct where he wants the corner to go. I think Denzel Mims has a very unique and um, he's very special at being able to do that. And it just comes naturally to him. Um, he, you know, he's a six, three guy. He fits the mold of a Packers receiver. Um, and if I had to choose between the two, I think Denzel Mims, 
I actually think it's not even close. I think Denzel Mims is a better receiver. Um, but if you can get a Chenault in that second round, I think you, you would be happy. But right now, I'd be more happy to see Denzel Mims go to Green Bay. I just think he fits the mold, the mold more. And I think right now, he can he's a little bit more durable. And he, he can do a little bit more. He's one of those guys, like I said, he has a speed. LaFleur can bring him on those sweeps. Um, you can use him in the screen game. And he's showing he can kind of a, a missing art form right now with these receivers. If a guy's willing to get in there and block for you, I think that's just an extra, you know, an extra um, positive there. So right now I think Denzel Mims, I would be more happy with the Packers grab. Jake here, before we hit the break, let me give you two other guys that I don't think are going to last a 30. I think they're going to go somewhere in the high 20s. You tell me if you're Brian Gutekunz what you would give up for each of these. The first one being Justin Jefferson. He was Joe Burrow's favorite target at LSU this year. He led all of college football with 111 receptions, 18 touchdown grabs. That was second most in college football. Obviously, he was a big part of the reason why the Tigers won the national championship this year. And then the other one being T. Higgins, a guy who also played the national championship for Clemson and he's being compared to other former Tiger uh, receivers like Sammy Watkins for example what would you give up if you're Brian Gutekunst to try to move up seven eight spots or so to try to get one of those two yeah um you know Justin Jefferson he's a very interesting prospect um he's not gonna blow you away with with his measurables or things like that but in the biggest games you saw him um, really step up and, and not shrink in those big moments. So I definitely think he's a big-time player, and then he, you know the bright lights don't really get to him. He's a player that I would potentially move up for. Um, he's kind of predicted to go in the early 20s. I know it's, it's almost a lock. Every mock draft has Philadelphia choosing him. Um, you know, if, if good, you know, Brian Goodekunst has shown he likes, you know, he, he's willing to move up and get players that he really falls in love with. So if he's, he's in love with Jefferson as a player, you could potentially see Green Bay do that. You know, I don't really know the asking price for it. I, obviously, you're, you're going to give up your first round pick, swap those. You know, it, it's tough because Green Bay has so many holes. I would honestly rather see Green Bay drop or trade back and get a, another extra pick rather than give one up. But you would have to give up probably a third round pick with that to move up seven or eight spots. I would I would have to I would have to think. Um, but in, in a draft so deep with wide receiver talent, I just don't think that that we're gonna see Green Bay do that. If anything, I see Green Bay trading back, picking up an extra pick. And you're still going to be able to get a guy like Jalen Rager, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, Michael Pittman Jr. from USC, um, like you said, uh, LaVishka Chanel from Colorado, Tyler Johnson from Minnesota, KJ Hamler from Penn State. I mean, there's so many guys that can really step in and really help you. So um, Justin Jefferson, I would trade up and maybe give a pick for. I honestly think T. Higgins might be there at 30, so I don't know if I'd trade up for T. Higgins. He has been injured. He didn't uh, participate in the combine. I think that hurt him a little bit. Um, but for Justin Jefferson, potentially I would give up a mid-round pick. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you here in the Sports Pen. We're just across the bottom of the hour, so we'll take our next time out when we come back. A little bit more in the draft. One NFC team that's poised to have a big night, plus uh, the Michael Jordan documentary. It's coming out here shortly next on ESPN UB. Hello, this is Kelly George, President and CEO of MBank. We understand that there is a lot of uncertainty right now, but you can rest assured knowing your money is safe and secure with MBank. We remain in sound financial condition with strong levels of capital and liquidity to serve your financial needs and are dedicated and experienced 
staff is here to help you through this challenging time. We've created a COVID-19 loan relief program to help alleviate some of the financial pressures you may face as a result of illness or workplace changes. Additionally, MBank is serving as a financial resource to small businesses in our communities as we will be a primary processor for the various new SBA loan programs as a preferred lender partner of the SBA. As we collectively navigate these uncertain times and work together through social distancing measures to help mitigate the spread of the coronavirus, the safety and well-being of our employees, customers, and the communities we serve remains our top priority. We also remain focused on continuing to provide our essential services to you and thank you for your patience and flexibility. Please stay healthy, please stay safe, and good wishes to you all. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoot. with the Charles Schwab Challenge. They will play with no fans in attendance. Tonight at 9 Eastern on the uh, ESPN TV channel is the semifinals and the finals of the NBA Horse Tournament. The final four include Mike Conley, Chauncey Billups, Allie Quigley, and Zach Levine. And finally, when members of a choir sing together, their heartbeats often synchronize. That is your Sports Center update. Tanner and Jake with you. Jake, have you been following that horse tournament? Did you watch any of that on Sunday night? Um, I didn't. I didn't watch. I didn't tune in live or anything like that. I did just watch highlights. I guess that's what you want to call them highlights. Um, you know, it, it's, it's it was a good idea. Definitely, I think the NBA is definitely at the forefront of trying to be creative and create content and and still get you know their athletes involved in things like that. I was a little bit more excited about the NBA 2K tournament between um, players. Uh, I, I thought the horse tournament kind of fell flat for me it wasn't as entertaining as, as i wanted it to be um it was a great idea but for me it just didn't really do it that much I, i'd rather watch players talk smack and play video game i'm a huge video game guy i do play 2k so for me that was a little bit more exciting um and, and just watching those players interact over over the video game jake let's let, let's spitball something here because you have access to your shootout challenge, little mini basketball hoop in your studio. I've obviously got my little mini set up here in my living room. Do you think that you and me could live stream a better horse competition than the NBA did? You know what's funny? As I was actually thinking about doing that, when I first heard about the horse tournament, um, obviously the shootout challenge and, and having those hoops in, in our studio was definitely something where I was like, oh, maybe I could do something. And, and your name was definitely the first <laughs> name I thought of because, I, you know, I've been to your place and we definitely shot around on your little mini hoop. So I was like, man, that is actually a really good idea. I wonder if we – I mean, maybe we could still do something like that. I think that would be kind of fun to do. Um, obviously, it would – wouldn't be i'd be shooting on a different different type of hoop and things like that but um for the most part as long as we kind of kept the distance um as close as we can i think that would be something we could definitely maybe (laughs) pull off i think it'd be fun i think it'd be fun to do data hoops jake durant with you glad to have you along we've got a little bit more on football but certainly a lot of basketball here in the back half our show first of all though jake i do want to bring this up to you because you have described vince carter the legendary vince carter of insanity as your favorite nba player of all time last Mm -hmm. night was supposed to be his final career game uh he announced his retirement prior to this season Uh, Last night, the Atlanta Hawks were scheduled to finish the regular season. They weren't going to the playoffs, and it was supposed to be the send-off for Vince Carter. Uh, Very 
unlikely that he will ever get the chance to step out on an NBA floor again. Even if the NBA resumes his season, they'll likely go right into the playoffs, and Atlanta won't be a part of that. Uh, but he's the first player in NBA history to appear in four different decades. He played in the 1990s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and then he made it to 2020. He never won a championship, but he was still one of those, oh, I shouldn't say he never won an NBA championship, part of some Olympic gold medal teams, but he was still one of the most electrifying players that changed the game. Tell me about Vince Carter and the legacy that he leaves, not just for you, but on the NBA community as a whole. Yeah, um, and when when the NBA actually the season actually got canceled or suspended, you know Vince Carter obviously was the, one of the first things I thought about because it was kind of like his farewell tour and things like that. Um, like you said, he's been playing in the league for a, for a long time. So um, and then he had that interview where he he's definitely tearing up and saying, if this is it, you know, it's it. Um, obviously, definitely not the way you want to see one of your favorite players go out, but that's just kind of you know what what's 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 happening. Um, Man, just thinking back as a kid, when he was in that dunk contest, that was one of my favorite NBA memories. Um, and I just remember sitting back. I was I was at that age where I was very influenced by by these players, these athletes. You know, I was still young enough to myself have NBA aspirations, thinking I was going to be a professional athlete and and things like that. And I just remember watching the dunk contest, and and you know, I was able to dunk a little bit uh, at my peak athleticism. But nothing like this guy could do, and the way he was able to just hang in the air and and just definitely just bring that that excitement and just watching that dunk contest and you know him doing the between the legs and and um, you know the windmills and things like that it was it was revolutionary and um, you know he he throughout his career was getting a lot of respect from from some legends and and it's well deserved and and I think what what really drove me to being a Vince Carter fan. It was definitely a lot of the, the highlight dunks you see and things like that, but um, it was kind of the way, you know, as a young player, he was, he was known as a dunker. Um, and that's kind of what he specialized at, but I, he was really determined to show people that he wasn't just a dunker. And I think him being in the league show, so long, even while his athleticism diminished, he definitely showed he was a basketball player. Um, you never question the love for the game with Vince Carter. Otherwise, he would have probably been done a long time ago. You know, he's dedicated to his craft, dedicated to um, to the game, to, to to the grind. And I think I, that's what really kind of drew me to him. Um, you know, no matter where he went, he was always someone who, who would give 100%. Um, and, and Bleacher Report put out a, a very good video of him. Even in the, like you said, he in the Olympics, jumping over someone who was seven feet. I mean, that's just something that is just mind blowing to me. And I just think that's what kind of drew me, drew me to Vince Carter. No one was really talking about the Toronto Raptors back in the day, um, but Vince Carter was just one of those guys that you know just was always someone that you wanted to watch on TV. And and um, you know just his tenacity, the the way he carried himself, uh, was just something I was I was definitely drawn to. And it is just very sad to not see. Not, not be able to see him kind of go out on his own terms. And, and um, you know, obviously this coronavirus is, is messing up a lot of things. And, and although that's a small deal without, it is still very sad. Um, but, yeah, just some guy, just just uh, a player that um, I really just was drawn to as a young kid and, and just loved to follow. And the NBA is not going to be the same, obviously, in four decades. That's just kind of mind-blowing that you could you could kind of keep keep that, 
that will to want to to train and and be in your best shape of your life and travel and be away from your family. Um, you just got to respect that, and um, and definitely sad to see to see a a great career end. Uh, and especially the way that it did. But if that was indeed the final game that we got to see from Vince Carter, he went out at least the right way. He got into uh, a, a game in the last, I don't know, three seconds, or it was garbage time, and the game was well out of hand. He steps on the floor, drains a three-pointer right before the buzzer. And I'm happy that at least if that was indeed the case, then that's his, uh, his final shot in the way that he gets to end his career. Sticking with basketball, though, Jake, there's a new Michael Jordan documentary coming out detailing MJ in the 1990s Bulls called The Last Dance. And ESPN obviously is speeding up the release of this. It was scheduled to be released this summer, uh, but because of the lack of sports and stuff on TV right now, ESPN is going to release it early here in the coming uh, few days. And it details, again, MJ and his Bulls teammates from the 90s with Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, guys like that. And MJ was always, when you talk about somebody who's a fierce competitor, and he said people are going to watch this documentary and they're not going to like him. Like people are going to think that he's a jerk because, man, he is as competitive as they get and he would literally do anything to win. I just thought it was funny that he came out and said something like that. Yeah, um, I definitely saw that that interview when he said that. And, um, I mean, obviously his career is well documented. You know, uh, his teammates have come on and said he wasn't always the best teammate. But like you said, um, this guy was a fierce competitor. And at the time, um, a lot more things were allowed to happen. You know, you talk about NBA's uh, today's NBA um, players aren't aren't like Michael was, Um, you know, players were getting into fistfights. Michael was, you know, punching his teammates in the face in practice. Um, and that was just the competitor he was. That's what that's what made him great. And I think that's really what's going to be the most interesting thing about this documentary is we're going to be able to kind of see that and, and hear it from his own words. And and um, like you said, it's just funny that he he agrees, you know, looking back, you can kind of look back and be like, maybe I was a little bit out of hand a little bit. But if, if he wasn't that way, if he wasn't wired that way, I don't think he would have he would have been as successful as he was um, just a fierce competitor would do anything to win wasn't afraid to to speak what was on his mind and and tell his teammates really what was up and i think kobe was you know shout out kobe bryant rest in peace he was a, he had that that same type of mentality you know you, you know he wasn't your friend even if he was a teammate when it came to basketball um you know he was so focused on winning and he was going to do whatever it takes and and um is some of his teammates might not have liked it as much, but um, it, it's what he had to do to win. So definitely looking forward to that. Obviously, a lot of time and effort went into that documentary. We're going to hear from, you know, a lot of well-known uh, players, coaches, owners, and things like that. Um, it's just going to give a, a nice uh, look into what really drove Michael Jordan and how, how that experience really was. I mean, he's he's not – He's, he's considered the greatest of all time for a reason, and I think it was, like you said, it was because he he had to be a, a jerk sometimes, um, and and no, he knew how to push his teammates' buttons, and and it wasn't all you know rainbows and sh- sunshine with him. Um, he he did what it t- uh, what it took to win, and and I'm really looking forward to that. It's a ten part series. That's just insane to me. Um, just definitely looking forward to seeing how how that turned out. Well, and it ties right into our stat of the day. 17 years ago today, Michael Jordan played his final NBA game. He retired again, but this time it was for good. 17 years ago today, he walked off the floor wearing a Washington Wizards jersey for the final time. Also, another thing that happened 
uh, on this day in sports history, Jake. 20 years ago today, arguably the biggest steal in NFL draft history, when Bill Belichick celebrated, I believe, his 44th birthday by drafting Tom Brady 199th overall 20 years ago today. So happy birthday to Belichick as those two were a match made not quite in heaven because we know how it <laughs> ended, but uh, certainly a lot of success in the last 20 years between those two. Yeah, and, and you know, same thing with Michael Belichick and Tom Brady. Um, they definitely stick to their values, and, and um, you know, they're not afraid to step on toes, do whatever it takes to win. I think Brady has a little Michael Jordan in them, obviously Belichick as well. They, they're competitive, uh, two guys that are really competitive. I mean, Bill Belichick and the Patriots caught lightning in a bottle. I mean, if you really looked at Tom Brady's um, combine tape and things like that, I might be more athletic than Tom Brady. Mm. I mean, he just looked, he looked stiff. He looked like he didn't train at all. You know, he, he wasn't fast and things like that, but, um, you can't, you can't, the mentality is a, is a big thing. It's, it's the will to be great. And Tom Brady definitely had that. And he, he definitely just knew, you know, what he needed to do. And, and he, he knew he had his limits, but he knew what he was good at. And that was, you know, the mental part and, and being able to decipher defenses and, and wow, what a huge, huge pick for, for the Patriots obviously set them um, on the, on the move to a dynasty. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Let's take our last time out. Still to come, Jake, I do got to bring up to you after the break here the rough couple of days for Wolverine basketball. Plus, I have one NFC team that is poised to have a big night on draft night. Next on ESPN-UP. First Bank's message is simple. We're committed to helping our customers. I'm EJ Kostriva, regional president. And it's especially important at this new and different time to know that your loan officer is a phone call away. And while traditional banking has temporarily seen a few changes, drive through banking is open and the First Bank staff is here to help make life easier for you. When you need us, let us know how we can help. Visit first-bank.com for more information or call 906-228-7300. We are really all in this together. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoot. app which you can get from the apple i store or google play tanner hoops jake durant with you once again a programming note early next week rob domovsky packers beat writer for espn.com will join the sports pen i'll talk with rob either monday or tuesday we haven't nailed that down but he has agreed to come on air with us and preview the packer draft and what's coming up about a week from tonight uh jake i do want to get into a little more draft talk because there's i've, I've got a theory i think there's one team that's poised to have a big night whether it's a good night or not it's going to be a busy night first and foremost though a rough couple of days for michigan wolverine basketball david julius decommitted a couple of days ago and just or a few hours ago earlier this afternoon he announced that he is heading to cincinnati he chose them over schools like iowa state and others that he was being recruited by but david julius is gone he has a new home and he'll replace jared cumberland it's actually a huge pickup for cincinnati and then isaiah todd one of the most highly touted recruits in the country has decided that he's going to go pro and as of a few hours ago he signed an nba g league contract and he is going to join uh jalen green another one of those highly touted prospects who is foregoing college and going straight to the nba yeah, and, and another player, Joshua Christopher, mm. who by all means, it was looking like he was going to come to Michigan. So, you know, the Michigan recruiting class was going to consist of two five-star players, um, you know, and they were going to have – and this is Juwan Howard's 
first recruiting class. So we were just like, wow, he's bringing in the Fab Five, the new Fab Five and things like that. Um, but obviously Josh Christopher kind of spurned Michigan um, and he's now headed to Arizona State. And then the next, you know, less than 24 hours later, like you said, Isaiah Todd going pro, which people were kind of talking about that. And, and, and DeJulius was probably the biggest surprise for me because, you know, I, I just never even saw that coming. And, and that is definitely a huge loss because he was he was definitely someone in that backcourt that, you know, had experience and, and was going to be looked at to be a, a really good player for Michigan. But um, even with the loss of Isaiah Todd, a five-star, to uh, – like you said, is deciding to play professional with Josh Christopher, another five-star that Michigan was high on going to Arizona state. You still got pretty solid. I'm just kind of trying to look at the glass half full. There's still a pretty solid class that Juwan Howard's bringing in Hunter Dick Dickinson, um, a center seven, one center. He's coming in. He's a four star. You got Zeb Jackson, a six, three uh, shooting guard. He's a four star coming in out of Toledo, Ohio. You got a, a, a solid uh, power forward in Terrence Williams from Washington, D.C., 6'6", 215, four-star coming in. And obviously Jace Howard, um, 6'7", uh, small forward. He's a three-star coming in. So although they do lose something in, in the draft class isn't as, as you know, looking as great as it once was, you still got to look at the guys coming in. Don't forget they, they still got a solid class coming in. And hopefully them, along with the guys who they have there, they're going to still be able to – to be a very competitive team. I still think even with with the loss of Isaiah Todd, they still have the top recruiting class in the Big Ten coming in, if I'm not mistaken, or it's at least right up there with everyone else in the Big Ten. So although those are two huge losses and the team isn't going to be as exciting to watch, you still got to look at the glass half full. And, you know, they still got some solid guys coming in. And, and it's just the beginning. I think Juwan Howard's going to be a great recruiter and he's a player's coach. And, and I think, um, you know, as – we see a few years go by, they're going to definitely be bringing in some good, some good players. You know, John Beeline wasn't getting these, this interest from five-star, you know, top 10 recruits. He was, he was making his living off, off, you know, guys who were maybe four-star, three-star guys that were coming in and he was able to develop. Um, I think Jawan Howard's going to do a good job and bring some guys in that you normally probably wouldn't see at Michigan. Um, Yeah, it's definitely a step back, but I think, I think we'll see him hit on a couple of these big-time uh, recruits. I tell you what, Jake, here before we get back to the NFL draft, we talk about what could happen next Thursday. Let's go inside the hand of content just for a moment. Jake, I'll let you pick a number between 1 and 14 to give us a topic. Just just pick a number, random just number. pick a number. I'm going to take three. Number three, how many NBA G League teams can you name? Uh, not that many. No, no, I'm trying to think not myself not here. I, I wrote these many. questions weeks ago. Um, all right, I think we can get a few. That I know the main Red Claws are one. That's uh, the Celtics affiliate. The Iowa Wolves played, you know, close to my hometown. They're the Wolves yeah. affiliate. Uh, the Sioux Falls Sky Force, and uh, I think the South Bay Lakers. I think that's the Lakers affiliate. South Bay Lakers. I, I believe um, that's right. Yeah. Um. You know, it's <laughs> I don't really know, man. No. Honestly, I don't I don't pay attention to the G League too much, to be honest with you. They've, um, uh, they've got the 905, the Toronto 905 or whatever. That's the Raptors G League affiliate. That's five. Yeah. Ah, shoot. I wish I could help you, man. There's not a lot of um, these that I can get. I know there was one. Was it? It's something with like blue. Did you did you say uh, what is it? The 
is it the blue coats or something like that? The, I don't really the know. The Delaware blue coats? Did you say that one? I didn't, but I think you're right about that one. Yeah, that was one. Um, I'm just trying to think of the towns that these teams are in. The 76ers have a, a unique one, and that's I thought it was another number. It was like the 96ers or something. They're the 67s maybe. maybe. Yeah, you did you didn't say Grand Rapids, did you? I didn't say Grand Rapids. Thank you. That would have been a major mistake. Grand Rapids Drive. Grand Rapids Drive. Yep, that would have been a major mistake. I'm just trying to think of like, <sighs> what's the Bucks G League affiliate? The Bucks. That's something that we should know. Oh yeah, I know what the Bucks is. You do. Yeah, it's the herd. The herd. That's it. The Wisconsin herd. That's I, it. Those are like the only. Those are like the only two I really know. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you. Um, hey, between us, we got what eight. Yeah, that's not that's not too bad. I know there are just some really random towns, obviously, and just some some weird names. I don't really know, but I do know the drive and the herd. Though. There's the energy. I know is a nickname for for the Phoenix Suns affiliate. I don't know what city they're in, so I don't know if that counts as half. Uh, man, that's uh, you know what? That's almost a third of the league, though. That's almost a third of the G League. So I think. There you there you go. How about how about Windy City? The Windy Cindy, uh, Windy City. Uh, I don't I don't know what their mascot is. I know they're the Chicago. Bulls affiliate. Yep, Chicago. Uh, hey, yeah, we got about a third of the league between us. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I, I I got I gave you two. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all I can. <laughs> that's all I can give you. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant, with you here in our final minutes with each other before we call today, Jake. I want to go back to the NFL draft because, man, I've been doing my own mocks or whatever, and yeah, I've been putting together some pieces as to who could be going where, what have you. And I think that there's one NFC team in particular that is set to have a big night coming up on Thursday. And to me, that's the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I really think that they're a team that is going to have a busy night a week from tonight. Howie Roseman is a general manager that is kind of predictable in some sense, but maybe that's a good thing because I think he has a clear plan for what Philadelphia wants to be. Now, obviously, their biggest need is team speed right now. Their wide receiver core last year, I mean, it was it was bad. And Alshon Jeffrey uh, in his current state as your top wide receiver is not good. Thankfully, this is a great wide receiver draft, and they're picking at number 21, so somebody of quality caliber should be there. Uh, here's the thing, though. The Eagles have only drafted one non-lineman in the first round since Howie Roseman took over. You remember who that was, Jake? Who was it? It was Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. He's the only non-lineman that Howie Roseman in the current front office has drafted in the first round while at Philadelphia. This might be the year they change that, though. I know they still want to bolster the offensive line, but, man, team speed has been... It's been terrible for them here, especially last year. They need to help out Carson, so I think this is the year they buck that trend and they go with a wide receiver in the first round. And then defensively, I know they're trying to get faster in the secondary. Linebacker is something that they're they're weak at, but they don't traditionally prioritize linebackers over in Philadelphia. I mean, they haven't had a top-tier linebacker since maybe Jeremiah Trotter like 15 years ago, mm. uh, but they did upgrade the secondary. The big uh, get this offseason was big play slay. They brought in Darius Slay. They moved Jalen Mills to safety. To me, I do think Philadelphia's got a plan, and we know this is a franchise that can build a Super Bowl team because they've done it here within the last three years. I don't know, Jake. I just see Philadelphia having a very busy night. Maybe it won't be a good night. Maybe things don't go according to plan. I think they're going to be the busiest team in the draft coming up on Thursday. 
Yeah, that's definitely a, a very interesting team. Um, like you said, they're they're definitely hurting at the skill positions. Um, and and things that I've been reading, there there's a potential that that Philly could actually move up and try to get themselves one of those top three receivers. Um, from what I heard, Philly's in love with C.D. Lamb. You know, I get you know I get that's going to take a lot to move up. But like you said, they they've spent the last several years building um, the the offensive and defensive line. Obviously, it's been very successful. That's the old saying, you know, you want to build your teams from the inside out. Um, and right now, you know, they were in a similar, they're kind of in a similar uh, position as, as the Packers dealing with a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position last year. Deshaun Jackson was injured. Jeffries was injured. JJ Arcega Whiteside wasn't as productive as, as a younger player as you'd like. I think he takes a step. Um, if those guys get healthy, I think it's a different looking wide receiver group. And like I said earlier in the show, you know, they've been linked to Justin Jefferson out of LSU. I think every mock draft has him going to Philly. So um, um, I wouldn't be surprised to even see Philly move up and try to get get a guy like Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb. Um, but, but yeah, like you said, they're definitely a team that they they need they need speed. Like you said, they need speed. And if you can go up and get a guy like, like a Henry Ruggs or something like that, I say you do it. Um, Carson Wentz is there. It seems like their backfield's decent. Um, could they could they try to get a guy like Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen, a linebacker, a fast linebacker, potentially? Um, and like you said, Darius Slay's there. So definitely a very, very interesting team. I think the one team for me that I'm most looking forward to um, seeing in that first round, I would have to go with the Miami Dolphins just because mm-hmm. they have three first-round picks. Um, they obviously need a quarterback. They can go so many ways. They can trade up. They can do so many things. Um, this is definitely a big year for them. So for me, I think I think I want to see what Miami does. I think if Miami nails this draft and is able to, you know, maybe find their future quarterback, get some protection for this quarterback, um, and then and then look at maybe helping that defense. I think Miami could definitely um, help that team out and and definitely turn things around for the better there in Miami. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. With that, we are hitting the bottom, well, I guess I should say the top of a new hour, and that's it for us here in ESPN-UP. Always good talking to my man. Thanks again for hopping back on air with me. What do you have coming up at Local 3 you want us to be aware of? Um, yeah, just be, be on the lookout for our senior spotlight segment. I think each day, um, I'm not sure when it's going to start, but we're going to try to highlight you know, a senior a spring athlete, um, who, who got their season or their career, high school career, cut short. You know, just trying to spotlight the accomplishments of these athletes. Um, you know, we're going to try to get in contact with, with each of these athletes and, and interview them as well. And, you know, I want to tell everyone out there to just kind of hang in there. I know times are tough for a lot of people, but, you know, it doesn't have to be – you know, you've heard it before. We're all in this together. It might be a little bit of a of a cop out, but but really, just stay strong. You know, you know, keep social distancing, and um, let's try not to rush this. We don't want to rush back too soon and have a second wave of this coronavirus going around. And um, you know, just stay healthy, stay safe, and and um, let's get through this. Jake Duran of Local 3, once again, kind of to join us here in the sports pen. I'm back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. It's my hope you join me. Until then, for Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.